And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. Today today is the 10th of February, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bun and Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III of The Athletic. James, trade deadline day. Um, woof. Bit of a bit of a somber mood uh, across Pistons land uh, today. The Detroit Pistons have sent Sadiq Bay to the Atlanta Hawks, Kevin Knox to the Golden State Warriors, and the Pistons have acquired James Wiseman uh, from Golden State. Few other things involved in this trade uh, between a few teams that don't really pertain to us. That is what is on a need to know basis. James Wiseman is a Piston. Sadiq Bay is no more. Um, do you want to just jump right into this? Do you want to just give us, you know, sort of hash out what you wrote in your story? Tell us what you were hearing. Why did this happen? And so on and so forth. Well, I think at its core, I mean, and you guys have heard this before, Trey, uh, Troy really liked James Wiseman. And I don't think it was a secret that the Warriors were inching closer to willing to get off of him. Um, and in turn, uh, obviously people on the surface don't see the the value um, in, in terms of the return, just because Wiseman's career hasn't gotten off to a great start, and at least Sadiq has shown to be an NBA player. Um, so, obviously, you, you see that and see that they didn't get anybody back. That It's kind of like a head-scratcher for some. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Troy calling a shot. He likes James Wiseman. Um, he liked him in the draft, and they want to see him under a change of scenery and a different setting, less pressure, and see if that unlocks anything. And um, as we mentioned, like multiple times, Sadiq was kind of the guy that, of the big names that seemed most likely to be traded. Uh, there was some overlap there on the roster. The consistency shooting just never, or scoring just never really came about. And obviously, defensively, um, it was something that they, they needed more from that position if the if the scoring efficiency wasn't going to be there. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where we are and why maybe the value for Sadiq wasn't as high as many people may, I guess maybe many fans would have thought uh going into the or into the deadline do you look back on it at all and think you know Sadiq's rookie year Boston offers like two or three firsts for Sadiq Bay do you think that that again just looking back on it was almost similar to it the the what was it how what was the verbiage for it the surprise team or the mystery team who offered three firsts for OG where that was just ultimately agent speak and didn't actually mean anything because I also think that that played a part in this say that again do you want me to say all of that again you I heard I heard you're talking about the hold up with OG no okay say, sorry so say it again th- three years ago Sadiq Bey's rookie year Boston offers, I don't remember how many picks oh. it was, but it was like two or three firsts. And I'm only asking this because if you look at the OG thing when there was that mystery team or whoever it was that was offering three unprotected firsts for OG, and you and I agreed that's just agent speak. Do we look back on the Sadiq thing? Because I agree that we overvalued him as fans. 
But that had to have just been agent speak because if that was a real thing at the time, then what the hell changed? Uh, I mean, I also think it's it's fair to say that then he was first in the year or first time in the NBA. He was hitting threes. People probably had the the view of like a solid three and D young guy. Um, then as his obviously his career played out, he, he tried to st- uh, tried to progress his game, do more on the floor, and it led to a dip in efficiency. And also, I would say like those. If it was picks, like you never know, like how heavily protected they are. I mean, if you look at it, so the deal was separate. So basically, the Pistons got Wiseman for Bay and Knox, and then the Hawks got Bay for five second round picks. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, yeah, that's that was part of it because I don't think the Hawks got anybody else from Golden State except Bay, right? Correct. So yeah, they gave up five second round picks for him. Which you know, I'd imagine most of them are like those uh, heavily, like some of those are like heavily protected seconds. You mentioned at the top of this that one of the reasons that maybe this team, uh, this organization was maybe not eager to move Sadiq, but they were willing to do it was because there was overlap at the position. So why the hell did we trade for James Wiseman then? And I get it. Like, actually, will you give me the, can I just do my quick two minutes on this? Because yeah, get your thing off. I, I know like my role on this show is kind of to, to be the fan perspective. And I think that in a moment like this, I really want to try to to give a voice to to all of us, right? And, and speak for as many people as I can, because even though there are people who are on board with this, who were you know willing to move Sadiq the first time that these these rumors started going around a couple months ago, um, the majority of people are upset about this. So I'm going to try really hard to say something that I don't mean, because I am historically really emotional and really bad at giving reactions uh, post-trade, because I will always say something that ages ages poorly. So I'm going to tread lightly here. Um, I will start by saying, I think that James Wiseman, and you and I have agreed on this uh, over the years, was set up to fail on a team that repeatedly said during his rookie year that they should have drafted LaMelo, whether it was his coach, whether it was Draymond saying publicly that, yeah, maybe we maybe we messed that up in his rookie year, okay? So that wasn't great. Additionally, championship teams do not have time to develop young players, and he's become a victim of that, and that's why he has spent so much time in Santa Cruz. He's been up and down. Some of that admittedly has been injuries, and it's a rehabilitation thing, but the the principle that championship teams, they just don't have time for a guy like James Wiseman, uh, that much is true, and because of that, I do believe that there is a good basketball player in there. I think he's got some decent shot mechanics. I think he's a good rebounder. I think there's maybe some untapped mobility in there that we haven't seen yet, so I'm definitely excited, and of course, I'm rooting for him. Um, I can't say that this nugget that, you know, him being number one on Troy's board uh, in 2020 doesn't mean anything to me. I said that to Matthew earlier. I was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I actually think it does. Uh, It does matter because if there's anything that we all as Pistons fans can agree on, it's that Troy Weaver can draft. Okay, he's been nailing all of his draft picks. And if he looked at a guy pre-draft and said, this is number one, this is who I want. Clearly, he saw something there um, that was untapped. And I'm, again, rooting for that. But to me, Sadiq's inconsistencies or shortcomings or however you feel comfortable phrasing it are balanced out by things like his durability, his mentality, his work ethic, and ultimately his potential, right? That's why you drafted him. That's why you traded up, uh, got an additional first to get him. So to give up on that guy feels pretty bad. Like, did he not break enough records, right? Did he need (laughs) to make all rookie two times? Was 50 points done? Did he need 55? Did he need 60? Is that what it was? And especially to do it a calendar year after you trade for Marvin Bagley, again, another guy that Troy Weaver really, really wanted for a while. 
and to subsequently extend him feels bad. You already have Isaiah Stewart. You, now you have Jalen Duran. Now you have Marvin Bagley. And guess what? Now you have James Wiseman. This is also a team that is hoping to land Victor Wembanyama. And like, I imagine that if that time comes, there's a, a tone shift, right? And it becomes a lot easier to move on from one of the existing bigs in that scenario. And that's a game that we can play another day because again, it's, it's contingent on too many variables and we can't really sit here and do that right now. If the time comes, we can have the conversation. But right now there is a game that we can play and it's pretty easy. Um, at some point, this obsession with acquiring players who like might have something special does not mean anything to me if you are willing to trade them at the drop of a hat. And again, like we as fans did overvalue what Sadiq's value, I'm sorry, what his, like what he would be uh, worth on the trade market. But also at the same time, do you not spend all season in the war room with your scouts doing pre-draft, trying to find a guy that does everything that Sadiq Bey does, a guy who hates losing as much as Sadiq Bey does. And the other part of this man, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, it's really easy up to this point to explain a lot of the stuff that Troy has done. I think even on this show, you do a fantastic job of holding all of our hands and walking us through things that make us go, what the hell is going on? Okay. Um, and if I'm Troy being popular with the fans, that's not something that matters to me if I'm winning games, but the Pistons, even if it's for reasons that make complete sense, have not won games for three years under Troy Weaver's watch. And at some point, fans are going to get on your ass, and they're especially going to do that when you trade a player that, you know, is propped up and we love as much as Sadiq was. So if this vision that he has here isn't cleared up by the end of the summer, right, I think that's kind of what the timetable should be here is, is, is let him do whatever he's going to do with that 40-plus million that he has in cap space. Let him do whatever he's going to do in the draft and make this make sense. Let this vision come to fruition, because if it doesn't, then people are going to start to be like, what the hell are we actually doing here? And this idea that because Sadiq's efficiency dropped off is the re is, is part of the reason why we traded him, because he hasn't been as efficient as he was in his rookie year. In his rookie year, he was a fucking catch-and-shoot guy, right? What's the one thing I've been saying all year? Maybe we dial it back. Maybe he doesn't have to try all this isolation, this self-creation stuff. Maybe we just do what we know that he's good at. Because to me, respectfully, is that not on the analytics guys to say like, hey, here's what he's good at. Let's make him stop doing that and let's make him do everything else. What are we doing here? I mean, uh, I think that I think if you w go back and watch and more closely um, um, if you go back and watch closely especially lately a lot of his catch and shoot stuff was coming in the corners it was a matter, matter of not if he was taking immediately upon receiving the ball or if he was hesitating and then putting the ball on the ground I, obviously, you try to set up guys to be in position to, to best succeed, but maybe a guy doesn't feel comfortable when he gets a shot and then tries to create. Um, it certainly just feels like um, the Pistons had wanted Sadiq to do more by doing less, and he wanted to continue to expand his game. And I don't know if maybe he you look around and – and I don't blame them. Like maybe, like we need a bucket. Who who's going to get a bucket? And I think I can get a bucket. I think it's just confidence in himself. And I think the way the Pistons want to play eventually is move the ball, catch and shoot guys, um, not have as many kind of guys who need to do the stuff need to do stuff with the ball in their hands to get going. And I think that's kind of where you see 
um, kind of that, that casualty. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. It's frustrating to me, man. Like it just, I I can't say it doesn't feel calculated again because we have to wait and see. Um, I do want to ask you had you had tweeted out after the Sadiq deal became quote unquote official, right? The bombs had dropped and we knew that it was going to happen. You had mentioned that the Pistons might not be done. Is there anything that you know or can say that they tried to pull off maybe in the eleventh hour? I don't know about in the eleventh hour, but I know that there at some point there was conversations with the Hawks about John Collins. Um, the Pistons, from what I gathered, wanted more draft capital if they were going to take him, just because his contract's still big. Yeah, um, I think in your story, seventy-five over the next three years, I think is what he's owed or something crazy. Yeah, so it, it just didn't make sense for Detroit at that point, as they're still they want to have the cap space coming up. They want to be able to still have flexibility that would limit that some. So, um, I mean, teams called about Bogey. But it, it, I kind of always set it up for it to be a kind of warn that it would be kind of not a overwhelmingly um, busy deadline, and it wasn't. I guess what I mean by like it doesn't feel calculated is it, to me it's just like did Troy find out that another and this is something that you pointed out and you're 100 percent right about this if we find out that Troy Weaver likes a guy we end up with that guy we will get that guy 100 percent and that's kind of why I keep saying the Carousel Vert thing right and I'm not saying I'm mad that that didn't happen because I still believe it will this summer. But, like, to just go after another reclamation, to take another flyer on a guy, it just feels bad as a fan. Do you, like, can you empathize with that? Yeah, because I can understand why Sadiq's a, a, a fan favorite. I mean, he he's had some of the, during this, a lot of losing, he's had some of the better performances. Um, just his personality, I think, was endearing to the team. And, again, the unknown of all Pistons fans have heard about Wiseman is he's this, he's that, he's done. Um, and now they're, he's on their basketball team. He's on your basketball team. So I think that's, yeah. I think that's, that's part of it. I would, I would definitely agree. And we can obviously find common ground. I think most people could that the perception of James Wiseman that's out there, I don't think is fair. And I don't think is actually reflective of, of how good he can be. And in an ideal world, that'll be pretty evident. Um, 
uh, early on. One question I do have, I guess, is in a trade deadline where I guess second round picks are the new first round pick. I don't know what the hell's going on, but every other trade involved at least four or five second round picks. And you start to look around the league at, you know, a handful of teams that are hoarding all of these picks. And over the next few years, it's going to be the same teams drafting in the same positions. Do you almost feel like is Detroit losing that that capital race, as it were, where you trade away one of the more um, appreciated assets that you do have and you don't get any capital in return? Where, whereas if you were to trade Bogdanovich, I think it's safe to assume that you would have been getting at least one pick back, right? And I think yeah. we all would have liked to assume that that would have happened with Sadiq. It didn't. Um, I remember, I know you will too, when Troy first got here, one of the first things he said about the draft is that he wanted to stock the cupboard with uh, second-round picks. I don't know if he was just talking in reference to that one specific year, maybe just a short timeline. What the hell happened to that? Where are all those picks? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I truly don't think that this move in the end is going to be super consequential. Um, I think the only way it is is if Bay goes on to be more than what he's shown um, or if Wiseman goes on to reach his potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think right now, like, yeah, in the short term, Pistons fans like, oh, we traded a guy who's for sure an NBA player and we're getting a guy that we've only heard bad things about. Yeah. Um, so like I can understand like why they in their minds like well what's going on but um, I think most people would say that based on what Sadiq has shown you can find Sadiq's this current version of Sadiq that again not to say that he can't become more he's still young he still can he's shown flashes but um, I still think as much as Pistons fans are very excited about their young players especially in the front court like nobody's proven anything so if you're adding a guy who was the number two pick just two years ago into the fold and it ups competition maybe there's something there maybe that's you just never know like what could happen maybe he's one of the bigs of the few you just never know what can happen um and i just yeah i i, I just think that the value for sadiq was probably about what it was like i mean like again pistons got wiseman for trading him and then the the hawks sent five second round picks for Okay, I guess I'd ask you, would you rather have five second-round picks or James Wiseman? Ooh, ooh fundamental exercise here. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Ooh, I think, I think I'd rather have James Wiseman. Because, again, I'm not, I'm not upset about the Wiseman piece about this. At the end of the day, I, I don't think I am. Like, yeah, the, the log jam up front does bother me. Because, again, even though you can move off, you know, one of those guys in the offseason, it's like, well, you penned Bagley to an extension that, like, maybe it's tradable. Right. Maybe it is. But we also still need to figure out how he's going to play when he comes back, because are you how much is he making? Like twelve million dollars a year next year will be twelve point one. Right. You know, are, do you want to pay the guy with glass bones and paper skin twelve million dollars a year? Is that what you want to do? I don't know. Um, it is funny to me. This actually just clicked in my head. So to answer your question, I, I think I'd go with Wiseman, but I'd like to put a disclaimer. I should have said this at the beginning. I, I reserve the right because, again, I am very emotional right now to change my mind on this uh, in the future. Because I think I might end up going with the second round picks. But right now, again, I like James Wiseman. But this did just occur to me. A year ago, we traded for the former second round pick in the draft. And this year, we traded for the former second round pick in the NBA draft. There's kind of a funny parallel there. And to your point about 
if Sadiq ends up, you know, how we've been saying for the last few weeks, if you trade him and he becomes, you know, Chris Middleton, that looks pretty bad, right? It does feel a little bit better. Can we all just agree on this? It feels a little bit better that he's not going to Golden State because that would have been it. That would have been the last straw. <laughs> and I think people would have lost their damn minds. Because So now the, the fact that he's in Atlanta, it's like, is there, you know, less opportunity for him to be that good? I'm not going to, I don't know. Like, would you rather have him playing with Trey Young or Steph Curry? Uh, do we really need to answer that question? So if nothing else, right, at least he's not a warrior. <laughs> or a spur. Yeah, I think I can get there, too. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously on the surface. I can I can understand why fans uh, don't know if they either hate it, love it, don't love it. Like I can understand all all three. Um, but it certainly is. Again, it comes down to the end of the day. Troy likes guys. He goes and tries to get those guys. And I know it's kind of just been the the theme of the the rebuild, but it's do you trust Troy? Do you trust him that that these moves he's making is setting up for sustained su- sustained success moving forward? And um, obviously, I would imagine for Fant, it's hard to tell in the moment, but he is acquiring young players that other people saw potential in, and hoping that a change of scenery and setting unlocks them and adds some assets to Detroit's cupboard. Got to start adding those assets at some point, though, right? We're going to get there at some point, though, Troy, right? Eventually. And the other thing is, like, I get it. The Pistons have a ton of cap space this summer. That's really cool. I really like talking about that, and I really like speculating that the Pistons have a lot of money, and who could they go get? You know what is, like, a really overrated asset in basketball? Ryan Rosillo made this point uh, during the uh, his little rant about the Kyrie Irving trade. Cap space. You know how much it doesn't matter if you don't have a guy who can recruit and actually go get players? Not at all, because that's how you end up paying Timofey Mozgov like $120 million, right? But what Troy has to his advantage is every now and then he pulls a rabbit out of a hat and he shows us, hey, this guy that you really like, yeah, I actually have a relationship with him since he was like 14 years old and now he's on your basketball team. So, like, I think Troy Weaver can out-recruit Mark Cuban. I don't think that's nothing. So that's exciting to me. (laughs) But again, that's why I say... You know, patience only gets you so far. And I think if you go into, what would it be? This summer will be offseason number four with Troy and then goes into his fourth year, right? Or is this technically He was hired in 2020. So that counts as an offseason. 2021, 2022. Yeah, this will be his fourth. So if we get to the end of the fourth offseason and I can't see what's going on and it cannot be explained to me in 50 words or 25 words or less what the direction of this team is and what the plan is and that plan cannot involve be patient uh i'm going to start to snap a little bit and i'm going to get a little bit pissed off 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I understand it. Like, I understand it. I, I, It's tough to endure losing, and I talked about it way before when they embarked on a rebuild. Um, it's certainly I, – I understand why fans are antsy, for sure. But at the end of the day, you know what? If it takes – Two more months, three more months, a year, two years, three years. Whenever the team starts winning, people will come back. That's how sports you know, works. To put a bow on this, even though this has to do with the Kevin Durant trade, which I feel like is big enough that I think it's worth doing a quick two minutes on, but the real reason that I want to bring it up, can I give you my honest and genuine reaction to the Kevin Durant trade? It might be sneaky, the best thing that has ever happened for Pistons fans. Do you want to know why? Because if I'm if I'm a Suns fan, I'm looking at um, I'm totally blanking the owner that just bought the team. I'm so sorry, I'm blanking out his name. The Michigan State grad who just bought the Suns. Uh, what is Ish- his name? Ishbia. Ishbia. Thank you. Matt Ishbia comes in the very week that he officially becomes owner of the team. He doesn't have any uh, emotional investment or attachment to the existing assets that Phoenix has. And he says, I want to put my stamp on this team and I want to show everybody that I'm in business and I'm willing to pay for and build a contending team. And he throws all those assets in a pile and he sends it over to Brooklyn and he gets Kevin Durant. First of all, this has Joseph Psy energy written all over it, okay? We've seen this movie before, and we know how this goes with these new owners, and they want to make this impression, right? But if I'm looking at this Phoenix team, there's really only two things that happen here. Either it works or it doesn't. And you know what happens if it doesn't? The band's going to break up. Chris Paul's going to retire. KD's going to do whatever he does. And Devin Booker's out of there because the Phoenix Suns are going to need to uh, uh, replenish their asset pile, right? So they're going to start selling dudes off for draft picks. We talked a few weeks. We talked a few weeks ago. There's a chance the Pistons one day are going to cash in on that big fish. So we should all be rooting for this Phoenix thing to fail because if there's anybody who could go after Devin Booker or any team that Devin Booker would want to play on, it's probably Detroit. So <laughs> I am praying on the Suns' downfall within the next three years. I think it'll be hard to replicate that Nets timeline because ultimately it's maybe a little unfair to compare them to the Joseph Tsai uh, Nets experiment because I think what derailed that ultimately had nothing to do with basketball. Uh, and the one season that they had all the basketball stuff going well for them, James Harden blows out his hamstring, KD's foot is too big, and he steps on the line. Because if they beat the Bucks in that series, they definitely go on to beat Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they kick the shit out of the Suns in the NBA Finals. And they win a chip, and we're not even having this conversation, and maybe the band doesn't break up, right? Um, but Yoko Ono will come along at some point, and Devin Booker will come to Detroit. And that was my first reaction to the Kevin Durant trade. <laughs> How's my logic there? Was it was it bulletproof? You would, I mean, it's as good as it's been. That was ideal. That was ideal logic. Great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our quick emergency pod of the Barney Cardigan Show. We will be back. Regularly scheduled uh, podcast coming out this following Tuesday. We will actually be doing our pre-draft stuff uh, with all the draft picks that we don't have. And all the teams have all of the other picks. So I'm really excited. to. I don't need to be this cynical. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars, leave a review, subscribe. If you're feeling generous, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.